We got our first NBA schedule rumor, and it might be embarrassing for the Charlotte Hornets already. We'll discuss that. Plus, continue our journey throughout the Charlotte Hornets history and see who wore each number the best. That's all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, so go check us out there as well. As well, If you check us out on YouTube, you can also mm-hmm. see the debut of the setup that I have for specifically Locked On Hornets. We gave Friday every Hornets box score because we talked about the 2019 game, which was fun. Recent history for anybody that is a newbie to the Hornets world. But this a is newbie. the new setup. A new B, that's so good. We need to incorporate that somehow. I love it. If you are a new B and you're new to the, yeah, go ahead and get Swiggy with it. You can check out the uh, new setup that I have on YouTube. We got basketball cards, all Hornets edition in the background, even if you can't see the details there. A lot of Hornets bobbleheads, bobblehead, man. Like You have a ton of bobbleheads if you cover the Hornets throughout the last five years because mm-hmm. that's their favorite giveaway. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan. I just don't know what to do with my Dwayne Bacon wearing a bacon costume bobblehead compared to my Frank Kaminsky Stormtrooper bobblehead. There's just so many of those, and those didn't necessarily make the cut on the display, but they're still here, and I, I just don't know what to do with them. Uh, the flameouts make for the best bobbleheads. I mean, that's, just, that's the rule, apparently. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, speaking of flaming out, man, the Charlotte Hornets, when it comes to having Christmas Day games, they, they're all the way flamed out. Just not going to get <laughs> anywhere close to Christmas Day playing basketball. One, I wonder if the players actually like that. Like, hey, I don't care that the Charlotte Hornets never get a Christmas Day game. I get to spend time with my family at that point. But if you are a Hornets fan wanting to build that tradition and watch a Charlotte game on December 25th, then you have never experienced that. And now you are the only fan to have never experienced that. With the schedule rumor coming out that the Grizzlies received a Christmas Day game, now that means that the Charlotte Hornets are the only franchise to have never played on Christmas Day. Doug, is this a big deal or not? Uh, Well, I mean, it's embarrassing for sure that the Charlotte Hornets are the only franchise, uh, the Charlotte franchise, Bobcats, Hornets, they've never been on Christmas I think that's it's it's not a big deal from any kind of like strategic sense, but it is it's reflective of the fact that the Hornets as a franchise have not done the things that precipitate getting on Christmas Day, winning playoff series, you know, being a legitimate threat to win a championship, having exciting players. They have an exciting player now, Walker. They have a player that the NBA could legitimately put on national television. Uh, on Christmas Day in LaMelo Ball, and people would turn out to watch, but they they don't have that missing piece, which is what Memphis got. You know, the playoff series win, and then they go and right. they face the Warriors, and they they really you know have an intense rivalry series with the Warriors. They don't win that series, but it but it's enough to vault them into the the Christmas Day game. Yeah, so a little embarrassing because even if you go to the other franchises that have been lackluster for so long now, the Kings come to mind. They at least had that stretch where they can get to a Western Conference Finals. They had the Chris Webber, Doug Christie, Peja years. And so Sacramento, 
you actually have, I believe that's when they would have played their Christmas Day game, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. So I have yeah, the, two, right, I had this graphic from Fadeaway World up on the screen right now, and it's obviously it's dated because um, it still has the Grizzlies as never. This was an article from last year, but uh, this is the best graphic I could find. Well, hold, but, I, I like the fact that it's bold, never, all red letters, like it is the word never played a Christmas Day game. Yeah, so this never for the Grizzlies will turn into 2022. This never for the Hornets will re- may remain. We don't know, right? I mean, we don't know the rest of the, the Christmas schedule, but I doubt the you Hornets are going to be mm-hmm. involved. Uh, so, yeah, the Kings last played in 2003. That was during their, you know, Divac, uh, you know, challenging the the Lakers uh, in, in the Western Conference. Last time the Hawks were in was 1989. Wow. Okay. So, so it was, a long, it was a long time ago for, for the Hawks. Uh, Detroit Pistons 2005, you know, that was during their, uh, you know, kind of title mm-hmm. contention, 04. That's when the last time the Pacers were really relevant as a as a title team. The Magic 2011, again, you get Dwight Howard. You get uh, them being in contention for the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's it, right? I mean, that's the, the Wolves are the really in 27. That's the that's the weird one uh, because I can't think of a legitimate reason why the Wolves. That was just a pity, a pity Christmas Day game. So that's my question, Walker. Would you take a pity Christmas Day game at this point? Would you just yes. if the if the Hornet if the NBA just said, "All right, Hornets, fine. You got Lamelo Ball. You're you're not a relevant team in the Eastern Conference, but here." We'll throw you a bone a la the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. Yes, I would take that as a fan. It does not matter. I don't care. Go ahead and give me the freebie because at least I don't have to see that never shining red graphic under the Hornets logo anymore no. when talking about the teams who have never played a Christmas Wrong. Day game. If you're if you're asking me if they deserve it, if you're asking if I'm so angry about the Charlotte Hornets ever having never been given a Christmas Day game, the answer is no. Like, I understand why they haven't played on December 25th. If you're asking me... Do you want a freebie? I would say, sure. Of course, I'm going to go ahead and take that freebie oh, so that the boy. Hornets don't have this embarrassing thing around them anymore. Are you, are you, are you this is, this is a, a participation trophy. I'm not into oh, it. You gonna, want, I'm the no. radio guy, Doug. You can't hand out participation trophies. That's my job. I'm supposed uh, well, to. Well, yeah, the, the, well, that's what you're doing right now. And I don't appreciate <laughs> it. I think the Hornets got to earn this one. I mean, it, to me, this is like the thing that should push this franchise to you know continue to to actually try to go out and win a playoff series you know, the people this is what i'm talking about like people want this team to c- continuously tank and, and get worse and, and i'm like look winning playoff series matter even if you're not going to be a team that is a threat to win the entire eastern conference winning playoff series comes with some prestige and they have they've had zero prestige for so long so i hope the hornets continue to try to go out and put a winning product on the floor and not go in, in complete reverse because i would like my my child to one day witness the charlotte hornets playing on christmas day yeah I hope so. I, I want that for a better, younger. And Hornets I don't want fan. a pity game. I don't want to pit, get the pity game out of here, Walker. I want I want a leg- I want the Hornets to win a playoff series and have a rivalry game on Christmas Day. It won't feel good if the Hornets play the Hawks, you know, and in, in a pity Christmas game. I'm not I'm not into that. And plus, oh, Trey Young good. and Lamelo Ball. Fine. Trey Young and Lamelo Ball don't even play well when they play each other. So that wouldn't <laughs> no, that- be fun. 
No, that, that's fine. Look, I, I'm glad that you're the parent because you have better morals than I do. You want these kids to earn it where if I had a kid right now, I just give them everything and it would be totally fine. They'd probably be lazy when they grow up. And I that's fine with me. Like right now, I'm okay. Just give me the Christmas Day game. I will say you look at the logo right next to Minnesota. It's the New Orleans Pelicans. They didn't really do anything to earn that Christmas Day game either, except win the lottery and draft Zion Williamson. That's what got them that Christmas uh, Christmas Day game, because that's, that's the only true. reason I could see the Pelicans playing. Well, so I don't. That's two, what I'm saying. I don't want to be in a category with the New Orleans Pelicans and the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's the, I don't like my allies at that point. I want to mm. be a franchise the, like the Orlando Magic. I can't believe I'm saying I want to be a franchise like the Orlando Magic, but they oh, got man. a player and that player took them to an Eastern Conference Finals. And and that's what I hope that LaMelo Ball can do. I mean, there's a scenario where they are playing a Christmas Day game in a year or two years from now because LaMelo Ball has ascended into first-team All-NBA territory and is dragging this franchise to Eastern Conference relevancy. I mean, to me, that's the only path for the Charlotte Hornets at this point is LaMelo Ball becoming so good that that he lifts all boats and the Hornets become relevant again. And, and I think that's where you'll see them play a Christmas Day game. Plus, the Knicks are just in New York, and that's why they got one in 2018. Well, of course. So three graphics in a row, bang, 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 kind of given to them. I do have one other point, but not before we head on to the next topic. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I have one more point I want to make about the Memphis Grizzlies in relation to the Charlotte Hornets, why they've been given a Christmas Day game, why the Hornets have not. And then we'll discuss and go through the journey of who the best players to ever wear each number, 55. I think we've gone to 54. We're on 42 now, Doug. Is that right? We are coming up on number 42. Okay. All right. Number 42. Great number. We'll get to that in just a moment. But if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Delicious indulgent cookie dough. It's covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture. They have real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them as well so low in calories low in sugar but high in protein and high in fiber go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 who wore it best coming up next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets so wait a minute do we value players that forget plays all of a sudden i thought we were <laughs> we loved lebron james because he remembered he could cite to you every single play from every game he's ever played in now all of a sudden we like players who have no idea what happened on the previous play i don't think you want him to play scared right it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast One other thing I wanted to mention, it's I think you kind of brought this up with the Grizzlies. Young, exciting team, get their star with John ja Morant, but then they actually start winning and they give the Golden State Warriors a test in that playoff series and then they mix it up on social media. So they kind of check all the boxes, right? Young team, exciting, have a star player that was borderline MVP candidate last year, at least got some recognition go against Golden State in that playoff series, give them a ton of trouble, and then mix it up on social media. So good, star players, dramatic, young, and contenders. 
Mm -hmm. Not a championship contender, but fun enough. And where the Hornets, they were a league pass team favorite for a lot of different analysts. I remember George Sedano talking about this a couple of years ago when LaMelo was a rookie. And George said, I used to never, ever care about watching the Charlotte Hornets on my league pass screen. And then I made an appointment television and I needed to go watch the Charlotte Hornets. And so we were on our way there. But then this offseason, especially the play in game, you know, the end of the last regular season, this offseason, it just feels like a lot of the momentum has come to a halt. Miles Bridges provided a lot of that good, positive feelings. And then he gets arrested for a felony domestic violence charge. And LaMelo Ball is the the thing that, you know, can move the needle. And then that's kind of it. Like P.J. Washington is great here in Charlotte. We love him. But, I mean, his his defensive ability isn't going to get you a Christmas Day game. And so I think that's the thing that makes the difference here, Doug. The Grizzlies kind of built or build, continued to build off of what were some nice foundation pieces. And then they became a contender in the West. And then Charlotte, we just some of it's been bad luck. But the Charlotte Hornets aren't absolved of a ton of the responsibility, and we just haven't done enough here in the city of Charlotte to warrant one of those Christmas Day games. Well, in saying that the Memphis Grizzlies are all about John Moran, nothing else would not be correct. Yeah. I mean, they played they really well without John Moran. They have a lot of different pieces over in Memphis. Um, they've done a great job of of drafting and player development. But, I mean, you know, the Hornets have as well. Um, they've obviously got to deal with this situation with with Miles Bridges, and, and that's going to stunt a lot of that franchise development, no matter how it turns out. Uh, but, you, you know, they, they, do need, they do need to continue to have leaps from different players. Like, they just signed Cody Martin to this deal. They need him to get better. They need P.J. Washington to get better. They've got to have more internal development from their young players because they simply are not looking outside uh, for that talent. They they are betting the farm that the players that they have currently on the roster and that have been tra- and the young players that have been traveling back and forth from Greensboro, they are betting the farm that, that, that the drafting that they've done is going to be sufficient because those players are going to develop because Terry Rozier is as good as he's going to get. Uh, yeah, and and they're betting that LaMelo ball can get into that MVP conversation at some point, because that would look if LaMelo ball raises his scoring average and maintains his ability to rebound and, and his assist numbers, then he does ascend into the MVP category. And I think if he does that, it's going to lift the, the Charlotte Hornets into a, a new tier. I mean, I think he can, w- with some of these auxiliary pieces, do that. But does that happen this year or does that happen next year? I think that's the question. And maybe in a future episode when we talk about the best jersey numbers ever worn or the best players to ever wear a jersey number, we could be discussing some of these players. LaMelo Ball is going to be interesting right off the bat, but we still have a long way to go before we get to number two and number one, the jersey number that he switched to this offseason. Doug, 42 is on the docket. Next, who are the players we will be discussing when it comes to who wore it best? Number 42. Before I get to number 42, we should remind folks uh, what the rules are for this segment, and we can go and look back and see who we have so far. So this is who wore it best. We're going through each jersey number in Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats franchise history and deciding who wore that number best. The rules are we can only take into account their time with the Charlotte Hornets and when they wore the number. So when we're looking at the stats, we have to factor in 
you know, if they change jersey numbers, it, it can only apply to that jersey number. So with the rules out of the way, I will head over to the screen share here, courtesy of uh, Basketball Reference helping us out with this. Number 98 goes to Arnaldis Kulbaka uh, by default because he's the only person to ever wear 98 <laughs> for the Charlotte Hornets. Chris Douglas Roberts won number 55. Number Surprising 54 one. we gave to uh, Lee Nalon. Number 52, the one, the only, Matt Geiger. Number 50, uh, we gave to Emeka Okafor. Number 45 went to the Hammer, Armin Gilliam. And then number 44, uh, we sort of put this as a toss-up between the Gap Man, Kenny Gaddison, and Derek Coleman. And whenever we have a toss-up, we go ahead and toss it to the listeners on our community page on YouTube. We put a poll up, and look at that, Derek Coleman. Just stealing it, yeah. going all the way, 71%, not stealing it, running away with it, really, 71% over Kenny Gaddison at 29%. I did my best, Gap Man. I tried to make the case for you. We should note that Kenny Gaddison no, did you switch You made the up. case for Derek Coleman. I want to, don't, don't steal, don't steal I don't Gap think Man that's correct. Me. I don't think <laughs> you made that's the correct. Case, you made the case for Coleman. I, I, look I said I go know. with Kenny Gaddison. I think I tried to make, uh, that's ridiculous. I think I tried to make the case <laughs> for Gap Man. Uh, but, but Derek Coleman wins, but, but we should note that Kenny Gaddison did switch Jersey numbers. So he has right. an opportunity to still make this list, but uh, so he doesn't Derek, I already checked it out when we talked about it. We'll get there, but he really doesn't. There's oh, not, there's not man. a chance. Spoiler alert. Jeez. <laughs> come on. Derek Coleman, just saying, 44, just saying. And number 43 went to Anthony Tolliver. So now we're here. Number 44 has, or number 42, I should say, has six players. Oh, and look at the first one is. Dave it's Hoopin. We've had Hoppin on the show. Dave Hoppin played from 89 to 91 under the number 42. We gave Dave Hoopin his only interview he's experienced in the last 20 years. We did that, that last great. year or it's two years ago, interview. I believe. Yeah. Great. Mike interview. Jeminski, uh, who, I mean, could get some get some love here as I mean, yeah. I know we're only taking into account the, their time with the Hornets, but could we take into account this time with the Hornets as an announcer alongside Steve Martin, Mike Jeminski, 91 to 94, Michael Jeminski, McDonald, yeah, that, in 98. That one, I don't know yeah. if that's, is that the Michael McDonald? <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Dude could hoop. <laughs> I love <was> hooping. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wanted you to do that, Matt. I don't have enough confidence to try to give you that impression. Let's go, Hornets! <laughs> I'm gonna give that to Michael. That's the best Michael McDonald I could do. It's better than I could do the rest of the names. Wait. Number forty-two, PJ Brown, two thousand one, two thousand two, Sean May, two thousand six to two thousand nine, and Theo Radliff rounding it out in two thousand. Yeah, love all of it. Love your impression the most. And there's one name that has to jump off the screen more than any outside of the celebrity that is Michael McDonald. PJ Brown has to get this award off the top of the dome, right? Yeah, I think so. PJ Brown had the most impact defensively. This is one that's not going to jump off the page scoring wise, but he made those late Hornets, uh, late first run Hornets teams competitive as as a defender those teams won on defense they were not even though they had baron davis who could uh you know hit threes and dunk uh, he was a special player offensively he was like one of the him and mash were really the only players uh that were knocking down a ton of shots so this was a team that was winning on defense and pj brown was part of the anchor so yeah I, i'm totally totally with you there uh two seasons in charlotte 
And uh, let's see, scoring, like, like I said, scoring wise, I mean, he's not, not even nine points a game. It was all defense and rebounding. Yeah, but, that, but he was such a, a key contributor. People loved P.J. Brown playing the four alongside Eldon Campbell, who was the starting five, and just one of the few players that actually was a part of the business between Miami and Charlotte. They did a lot of business with one another. You know, you go back to Alonzo Mourning going to Miami, and then you talk about, you know, the Glenn Rice trade of him, you know, coming over to play for the Charlotte Hornets with that in, in that era too. Eddie Jones also goes to the Miami Heat. Jamal Mashburn comes back, and P.J. Brown also, I believe, a part of that trade. So uh, it's funny how you had a couple of throw-ins, like a Matt Geiger, the first trade with the Heat, and then a P.J. Brown in the first trade with Miami, or the second trade with Miami, that were on this list that we loved so much. And so PJ, just another one of those players. All right. Well, we got 41 coming up uh, after, I think we should you go do ahead the... and uh, do the break and then come back and do 41. All right. Coming up next, Locked on Hornets. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We have plenty more numbers to get to. Just finished up with PJ Brown, one of the players that came in a trade from the Miami Heat. Who is going to be the guy who wore number 41 best? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Number 41. Six players to wear number 41. This one, yeah, this one was going to be pretty easy, although we got another player to mention, but go ahead and name the list of players there, Doug. We got Tim Kempton, 1989 to 94. I'm not sure Kempton played all of those years. Let me double check. that. Yeah, no, he spent, it was 88, 89, and then he came back uh, for uh, part of the 93, 94 season. So Glenn Rice, 1996, 98, I think that's, it's going to be tough to beat that name. You got Eldon Campbell at 1999. He switched jersey numbers because yeah. I believe he's number eight as well. Uh, so we could only count the 98-99 season. Garrett Temple in 2011 for the Bobcats. Justin Hamilton, 2014. And Billy Hernan Gomez, 2018-2019. Yeah, Billy, 41. Yeah, so Eldon this one's Cam pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. Top top five Hornet of all time, Glenn Rice, probably the most devastating offensive player the Charlotte Hornets have ever put out there. And Kimball Walker and Glenn Rice are probably a couple of those players. But Glenn, if you go and look at his stats. I'm desperately trying to. If the I know you are. Basketball uh, reference is not helping you out. Yeah. Look at that three-year stretch. Three-time All-Star from 95 to 98. Led the league in three-point percentage at, four, at a 47% the middle season that he played but never shot anything less than 42 percent from three playing with the charlotte hornets did it on decent volume during that time i believe was top 10 in the mvp voting that year that he shot 47 percent from three just a devastating offensive player man like i, I like his reference page is, is pretty ridiculous when you look at that three-year stretch dog and how about the number of games Glenn Rice played throughout his career? So, I mean, we're looking at his first season, 77, then 77, 79, 82, 81, 82 in his final season against Miami. He joined Charlotte, played 79, 
79, and then 82 in his final season before uh, moving on to L.A. So, I mean, he was a little bit, Glenn Rice, a little bit of an underrated Iron Man in terms yeah. of number of games his first uh, several seasons in the league. And if you look at the league leaders in minutes played, it was actually Glenn Rice and Anthony Mason, I think, yeah. were in the top five, maybe even top three. Both it, of those guys tr- just played a ton. It's true, and really sort of vaulted them both into All-NBA. I mean, they were great players, but the Hornets relied so much on those two getting out there and playing a ton of minutes and doing a lot on the floor that it that it helped vault them uh, into all NBA status. So yeah, Glenn Rice, pretty automatic number 41. Yeah. And last thing I'll say, when we talk about what players would have been better in this era, Glenn Rice was unbelievable in that era. And you talk about now 2000s, the three point ball, the, uh, the emphasis that's put on it today, Glenn Rice would have been awesome. All right, Doug, let's move on to number 40. Number 40, I think people are automatically going to think of Cody Zeller, who played for both the Bobcats and the Hornets from 2014 to 2021. And But there are also some other interesting names. Brad Miller, how about that number 40 for the Charlotte Hornets from 1999 to 2000? Uh, one of the best undrafted players of all time. Didn't really make any waves in Charlotte. Would have to wait to make his all-star uh, appearances with uh, Sacramento Indiana. and Indiana, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, Indiana first, and then goes, I believe, gets a decent contract from Sacramento. But yeah, those are the two teams he had his all-star appearances with. Now, this guy would get my vote for one of the best names in Charlotte Hornets history, Frank Brikowski, 1994. <laughs> maybe one of the more, uh, maybe get names that was explaining what was going on for Hornets. Well, let's yeah. see. I don't know. Let's well, hold on. You're making a judgment here. We got to find out. I am. I am, Charlotte, yeah. let's see what that, I mean, you know, field goal percentage, 50%. Uh, also, apparently, um, I don't know what's going on here with the uh, three-point attempts. Uh, I guess he threw one up as a center. Frank Brakowski, a little ahead of his time in <laughs> 1994. A little averaged point, point one, and he was ahead. A regular Glenn Rice was Brakowski. <laughs> Uh, he played in 28 games in that 93-94 season. Uh, looks like he spent some time in Milwaukee before coming over to Charlotte. Uh, started six games at the center position, 10.1 points per game. So a double-digit score uh, in, right. in that little short run. So Frank Brikowski, I think you were shortchanging Frank Brikowski a little bit. I, what was I? Okay, yeah, I, I apologize. I should have given more respect to the 28 games that he played here in Charlotte. We're moving on to Lorenzo Williams' basketball reference page. What do we have for Lorenzo Williams? And I don't, two I games don't rec- that he played. Yeah, I don't recall much Two, about yeah. Lorenzo Williams um, at all, uh, but he uh, looks like a center power forward, played uh, sometime in 92-93, and then traveled to Orlando, Boston, back to Orlando, then back to Charlotte. Man, I mean, he was just kind of going all over the place, but only played one game in that 93-94 season, so I, I don't think um, this is going to be Lorenzo Williams' <laughs> time. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think no. so. All right, so there you go. Uh, those are the names I think is pretty clearly Cody Zeller is going to win number 40. Uh, Brad Miller, we can't count those two all-star appearances. Anything you got on Cody Zeller? Well, I just, this is another name that played for the Bobcats and played for, I mean, the, the Charlotte team that actually got to 
the playoffs and in, in that what was it the second year or the second time that they did so so the 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 fun game here being there's going to be a surprising number of charlotte bobcats to be on this list of who wore it best because we already have anthony tolliver we had a surprising mention with chris douglas roberts coming in wearing number 55 now cody zeller is on that roster wearing number 40 and pretty easily cody zeller is the guy that's going to win this yeah lots of bobcats are going to be on this list maybe surprising uh lee to a few fans listening yeah, I think I mean obviously he spent most of his time in a Hornets uniform. So I'll I'll throw him up on the graphic as as a Charlotte Hornet and not that first year that he came in for the playoff Bobcats because I don't see yeah, I only started 3 games his rookie season, but he did play in all 82 of them and then would get the starting uh would get the starting job kind of like that's the interesting thing about Cody. He was always like starter by default either due to injury or because they didn't really have a big rim protecting center that they always wanted they could never find that and so it always went back to Cody Zeller who was you know a great rim running center uh you know could run the floor uh wasn't much of a shooter uh wasn't very physical as a big but you know I mean could do some things here and there uh, just wasn't it was just kind of like an all-around sort of player not not well, somebody maybe, yeah. that, that was going to ever dominate no and maybe I would argue he was physical I just don't know how strong he was but he was physical he didn't back down from you know I know you always kind of talked about maybe even well, his underrated face his face yeah. often got in the way if that's what you mean <laughs> if physical yes he was he dope he, he hit the floor that's true he, I don't, he I'm, not shortchanging, I'm not shortchanging yeah. Cody in fact one of the defining things about the Cody Zeller era was how poorly the Hornets played when he wasn't available. Like it was just the most, the craziest thing that may have been more reflective of this franchise's lack of center play for so long. But whenever Cody was out, the Hornets would do a lot of losing uh, because he was somebody that could do multiple things at that position. And when he, and they didn't have anyone else that could do multiple things at that position. All right, before we end the show today, I did want to take care of the next number just because we have, it's just one player. Well, let's just get to 39 before we move on to 35 so we don't have to lead off the show with Tom Tolbert tomorrow. <laughs> number just... 39, that was always my number, by the way, when I w- wow. would be in like a uh, pickup league, you know, one of these like church leagues or whatever, I would always go 39 because I grew the up in Tolbert Gastonia. Fan. And I think this was the same for Charlotte, but like the cable channel for ESPN was 39. Oh, uh, Yeah. So I was th- I always threw on the thirty nine um, as, as a tribute uh, to all my uh, highlight ability that would be on the top ten ESPN. Uh, but yeah, uh, thirty nine Tommy Tolbert, nineteen ninety five. I wonder how long he played for the Horn. I did. Yeah, I'm not sure how long he played. I know he was a Warrior for a little while, but that's so that's only the only his first of my season. Tom- yeah. Yeah, his first season he spent with the Hornets, 88-89, which was the inaugural Hornets season, and then his final season. So a little bookending, a little bookend game for Tommy Tolbert. weird. 88-89, and then 94-95 was his final season in the league. Ten games played, 1.4 points per game uh, at the power. He was kind of a three, it looks like a 3-4 combo, kind of maybe a little bit of a tweener, 6-7, 235. No, he's he's a stout boy at 6 7 yeah, his nickname uh, was Fabian. I want to know what that. I want to. I mean, Tommy told I me. Mean, I'm a little scared to do a little Tommy Tolbert image search. Yeah, right a little, on the show. little scary if you're going to search that on YouTube. Also, had it. a career in TV, by the way, for a little bit. Tom Tolbert did. Okay, here we go. Tommy Tolbert. Look at that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe he was just a yeah Fabian. Maybe it was just a uh, 
uh, a tribute to his uh, boyish good looks. <laughs> Tommy Tober. All right. So is this a who wore it bust or best? Are we going to give him the best title for only playing 25 oh, no, games? No, he wore it best. No. He, look, okay. he wore it. Uh, you, it's kind of a winner by <laughs> default situation. Yeah, I like your defense of that. Look, he wore it. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, did it. That's why I wore it best. That's my number. I'm, I love that. He's, All right. You know, there you go. Doug Branson, not, Tom Tolbert. Tommy Tolbert. All right. Dolbs. They are the ones who Dolby. wore it best. <laughs> TT. <laughs> Tommy T. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Now go check out Lockdown NBA. It's your daily 30-minute update on everything taking place within the association. You can catch it anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube, by the way. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back with you tomorrow.